0: Um, man, I'm just so excited to get into God's word. And uh, as I was thinking about all this, uh, I, there's some, I'm going to get into what I want to talk about. But let me just ask you real quick. How many of you here grew up with a brother or sister in the house? You had a brother or sister. All right. How many of you here have ever gotten into, say, maybe an argument with your brother or sister? How many have ever gotten into more than an argument with your brother and sister? All right. Uh, how many of you would say nine times out of ten, you're the instigator in the fight? Oh, everyone, everyone's picked on, right? How many would say nine times out of 10, they're the ones starting the fight with you, okay? Let me ask you this. How many start the fight? How many finish the fight? Oh, and By finish, we don't mean nicely, right? You mean, I know what you mean. Uh, well, I grew up, for those of you who don't know me, with three sisters, two older, one younger, and uh, I'm gonna tell you something. We had some epic battles over the years. I mean, some serious serious fights. And I, some of you have heard some of these stories before, but like my little sister one time when I was teasing her, we were doing some yard work and she threw a pair of gardening shears at me and it went through my jeans into the back of my leg and I had to go get stitches and I was like bleeding all over the place and my dad was freaking out because we didn't have insurance and I'm just like, oh, you're a Psycho. Uh, But don't worry, because one time when we were fighting for the door, I accidentally cut her pinky off. And so a chunk of her pinky went flying, which is kind of weird because our kids were playing with this, like, toy door. And I saw my daughter and her son, like, both pulling the other side of the door. And I had these, like, dramatic flashbacks. And I was like, get away from my daughter, (laughs) like, thinking he's going to get revenge for his mom's little pinky. Um, Here's a good one. Uh, How many of you uh, know Pastor Evelyn from our children's ministry? All right, in case you don't know, Pastor Evelyn is my sister, my older sister, and there was one time where I was, I was just a teenager, I was like maybe 13 years old, and I was talking smack to her, and she was on the other side of the room, and she had one of those old, old Nintendo cartridges, you know, the big plastic, I don't know if you've ever seen one, that's how old they are, but she had an old Nintendo cartridge, and I was just, you know, yapping at her, and so she threw it at me, right, she just flung it, now, let me set this up because you need to know. At the time, I was a teenager, right? And so I had one of them big old massive pimples on my forehead. You know, like when they're real big where they won't pop but they won't go away? It's like white on the dot. It's just right there on the surface. And it's like, it's girthy. You know what I'm talking about? How it's like girthy. And so I was, she threw it and I barely saw it. The tip of the cartridge hit the tip of the pimple and it went, like, the whole thing blew up, and blood and pus are running down my eyes, and I'm crying, and she's crying in laughter. She is laughing her head off because I'm gonna be honest. That was an amazing shot. From as far as she was to nail me in the pimple forehead with that cartridge was pretty amazing. But I say all that because listen, as much craziness and fights as we had, and and blood and and you know all this stuff that's going on. Uh, at the end of it. Before too long, we we're back playing again, and isn't that weird? Sometimes with your brothers, it's like you could be so mad at them, and then a few minutes later, you're like, "What do you want to watch on Netflix?" Right? A few minutes later, he's like, "Hey, you want some? You want some to eat? Yeah, please." Like, like it's just, dude, you almost murdered each other twenty minutes ago. And now, it's, I think it's because we know we have to, like, live with them. You know, you just kind of get over it after a while. But I think it's more because at the end of the day, they might drive you crazy. They may make you mad. They might even at times physically hurt you. But that's my brother. That's my sister. And you know when you know that's for real, right? Because you will mess with your brother or sister. You will tease them. You will physically hurt them to a certain extent. But let somebody who's not your family come and say something to them, right? Let somebody who's not your family insult them or try to hurt them and watch how you react, right? Watch how you're like, no, 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 no. I can say that to her. You can't say that to her. I can do that to him. You can't do that to him. Why? We're family. You ain't in this family. Go holler at your own family, right? There is a difference when it's Family, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about because the church as a whole, the Bible describes it as a family, we are part of the family of God, no matter who your biological parents are. We have all been adopted, those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have all been adopted into the family of God. And because of that, now we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how the Bible describes us. So by the way, look to, you know, that cute boy in the room, look to that cute girl in the room, the one you were eyeing, and as you look at them, remember, you nasty, that's your brother. You're nasty, that's your sister, okay? That's what the Bible tells us. And here's the deal. If you've been in church long enough, this has either happened to you or it will happen to you. At some point or another, your brother and sister in Christ will annoy you, will anger you, will cause you to want to leave, will cause you to want to cause them harm. There is going to be issues In the family of God, because there's issues in every family. There's fights. And listen, let's be honest. Some of the fights at home, they're dumb fights, right? Some of the, like, biggest fights you had is your mom's like, well, what what, what did he do to you? She was looking at me. (laughs) What do you mean? Look, she's still looking at me. And and your mom is like, this is the dumbest thing. Why are you wanting to hurt? Who cares? And you know, the other person is like, yeah, I was looking at her. I had this look that drove my little sister nuts. Especially when she was was getting in trouble, I would like go through the doorway and I would be like. And I would just hear her in the other room scream at the top of her lungs. And my mom was like, why are you so mad? It's look right. So we have these petty little things in our own home. Well, guess what? In church, we're going to get mad at somebody for the dumbest stuff, for things that really don't matter, right? And and some of it is like, oh well, you know they they were they were talking about me. What'd they say? Well, they 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 said you know they don't like curly hair people. Did they say you specifically? Well, I'm curly hair. It's like. Uh... Right? Uh, Maybe they said something to you that uh, you didn't care to hear. Let me just say this real quick. A lot of times when we get offended, I, I, I I don't want to sound like the OG in the block, but I do feel like I'm old on saying this. Right now, we are hyper offended. Like we get offended by anything. And I think part of that is because it's easy to be offended. And we talk about how, oh, you've offended me and what you said and how you acted. That offends me. The problem with only being offended is it carries no personal responsibility. Because when you're offended, you feel like it's the other person's responsibility to fix it. You don't have to do anything. And the problem a lot of times in church is we allow things to offend us. And they never get solved because we're waiting for somebody else to make it better. And some of these things are pointless. Maybe they said something to you, maybe they cracked a joke and it wasn't funny, it, was, it came across as rude or messed up. Maybe uh, they tried to say something that you didn't care for or offended someone you really care about. Or here's my favorite one, especially with teenagers. I never understood this after I grew up, but it was dead serious when I was a teenager. Y'all ever hated somebody because your friend hates them? You know what I mean? Like, you got no issue with them whatsoever. You're cool, and you were cool for a while, and then your best friend hates them, and all of a sudden it's like, can't stand that girl, can't stand that dude. Why? I mean, I don't really know, but if you ask so and so, it's it's a good reason, <laughs> right? Or or your, your best friend breaks up with somebody, and now you can't be friends with them. You ain't never dated them, you ain't never had no tie with them, but it's like, oh, we got we like best friends. We we break up together. It's like, pff, yeah, right, five years later, you're dating that best friend's ex. But, but in that moment, there's this weird solidarity we have. And listen, the problem is when this begins to happen in church, right, when, when, when you got a group of young men or a group of young ladies and suddenly one of them doesn't like this dude or one of them doesn't like this girl. And then the whole group doesn't like this person. And this person stops wanting to come into God's house because every time they come in, instead of seeing the Lord, they see stink eyes. That's an issue for God, especially when it's for no reason. Oh, well, you know, she liked the guy I liked. He liked the dude I liked. Who cares? Listen, I almost got beat up at Bible camp when I was 11 because we went to this camp and, uh, you know, one of my friends was there. And suddenly, one of the nights, all the dudes started being mean to me. All the guys started mean mugging me and kind of like bumping into me. I'm like, what's up with everybody? Why are they acting with all this attitude? And then one of them came up to me and said, bro, I heard you stole my guy's girl. Now, mind you, I had no girlfriend. I'm like, I got a girlfriend? Like, when did that happen? You know what happened? A girl from my church, one of my closest friends, she got hit on by one of the dudes and instead of just saying, no, thank you, said, I got a boyfriend. It's him. <laughs> and now everybody don't like me because I'm somebody's fake boyfriend. My point is we get into these petty little things and that's what they are, they're little things. And we allow those little things to offend us, and we turn them into big things. And so I want to talk to you about what we're supposed to do when we're offended by our brother or sister. Because it will happen, and not all of them are little things. Some of them are serious things. And it's going to happen. But there's a process that the Bible lays out to address offenses. Because at the end of the day, you have to remember that we are still family. We are still brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we prayed about during pre-service prayer, the importance of unity is huge. And God having his children, like I'm thinking about my daughter, and should the Lord bless us with another kid, I love them both. And I don't want my daughter beating up on the other kid or vice versa. I want them to be able to love each other because I love them. And as a father, I get that now. And I need you to understand that's how God sees you. And God says, listen, you may not like her, you may not like him, but I love you both. And so I need you guys to be able to come together and listen to what the Bible says in regards to how to handle this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they fail, if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, Tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, those are gradual steps that we're going to get into in just a few minutes. But I want to start with, before we even get into the context of that, I want to make sure that you understand a couple of things real quick. Number one, if you're taking notes, there's a goal to confrontation. A lot of us want to avoid confrontation, and some of you like confrontation way too much. There is a goal that you have to have in mind when it comes to bringing this offense up to the individual. And the goal is always the restoration of the relationship. In other words, the only reason I'm bringing up the fact that that Valerie said something bogus to me is because I want to make sure that me and Valerie are still cool and friends. That's the only reason I'm going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up to get revenge on her. I'm not going to bring it up so that she could just feel bad. I'm not going to bring it up so that I feel better. To make the offense known so that both of you can move past it and go back to having a good relationship. It's not to get even. You don't confront the person just so they can feel bad. It's not for justice. God did not seek justice when he confronted us with our offenses. And so you shouldn't try to seek justice when you're trying to confront somebody else's mistakes. And here's what I've realized. Nine times out of ten, when somebody's offended you, they didn't mean to do it. Sometimes they were just trying to be funny, and it wasn't funny. Sometimes they said something just not thinking. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Have you ever said something after when you're like, that was dumb, I shouldn't have said that? Okay? And and nine times out of ten, if you just go to the person and you say, listen, I'm not sure if you meant that or not, but when you said, you know, I look kind of chunky in this sweater, I felt bad. And it made me feel self-conscious. And they're like, oh, man, my bad. I, wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to offend you. I wasn't trying to be. No, it's cool. I just I want to make sure you knew how I felt and, and that we could just move past it. Yeah, no problem. I'm sorry. We're good? Yeah, we're good. Problem solved. That's the goal, the reconciliation of the relationship. The goal is to win them back. Sometimes that means saying sorry, even when you don't feel like you did anything wrong. Somebody might come up to you because they were offended, and you didn't mean any of that, and you still say sorry. And some people are like, well, why would I say sorry for something I'm not sorry about? Because they're still offended. Whether you meant to offend them or not is irrelevant. They are offended. So I'm sorry that that offended you. I'm sorry that that's how you understood it. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Because I genuinely am sorry that you feel that way. I'm not here to justify myself. I'm not here to say, oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't do that. You know, I find that the easiest road is to just say, man, you know what? I could totally see how you would take that. I am so sorry. And most of time, people just walk away. Here's what we try to do, though. Oh, man, I'm sorry. It's just that you, nah, nobody wants to hear that, right? Hey, I'm sorry, but maybe if you didn't come at me with so much attitude, it's like, mm, you just ruined your sorry. Sometimes the easiest thing to kill the whole thing is to just say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The cost of winning them back. Sometimes is an apology, and that's a cheap cost. It doesn't cost you much just to say I'm sorry. Now that we know the goal, though, there's something else you need to consider. Is at what point do I confront somebody? At what point do I bring this offense to an individual? When is it necessary? And the, question, and the answer to that is, well, when you've had enough. It would be wrong for us to confront everybody with every single little issue we have. Some things you just need to get over. Right? I think I heard Jonathan say this to small groups uh, last week, get a straw and suck it up. And I was just kind of giggling. I'm like, that's messed up, Jonathan. You shouldn't say that. Alioto, by the way. Alioto. Um, Listen, sometimes there's things that we get offended by. It's not a big deal. Well, they walked past me and they didn't even say hi. Oh, my God, get over it. Like, chill. It's not that big a deal. He's looking at me funny. No, he's not, Dito. He's got a... His eyes like that. He's not even looking at you. He's just got an eye. They called me John and my name is Jonathan. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Okay, I'm sorry. Like, get over it. There are some things, it's just not, it's not that big a deal. As long as you get people meeting regularly, you're going to have issues like that come up, right? You're, Oh, Pastor Joey, he doesn't even know my name. You come once every three months. I, how would I remember your name? You know, it's like you're offended, but what do you want me to do? <laughs> the Bible tells us we need to be patient with each other. Give each other some room. Give each other some space. Listen, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another, any of you who has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The word bear means to put up with. Some people are still new to this life. Some people may not understand how things go, right? You get somebody who got saved last week and and you're saying something and they curse you out and call you a bad word, well, that's what they would have done if you were in school. Like they don't, it's not like they're the super Christian overnight. Some people just need room to figure things out. Some people weren't raised the way you were or didn't have the kind of family that you had. What offends you might just be how they talk where they're from. Some people just haven't matured to that point yet. Cut them a break. Ladies, listen, some of these boys are like three, four years behind you, maturity-wise. It's not their fault. It's just how we're built, okay? We're just. We're just dumb sometimes, okay? And so, I'm sorry, fellas, I'm trying to give you an excuse here. But sometimes you just got to give us a little bit of room, boys, girls, whatever, you got to give us some room to figure it out. And if you beat every person up for every mistake they make, they're going to feel like they're walking on eggshells and that everybody hates them and they become self-conscious and they stop wanting to come around. Be patient with each other, even the ones who really annoy you, right? Some of them, it might be something, they're on the spectrum. It might be something where uh, they have a history and you don't understand their past. You don't know what they've gone through and you don't, get, you don't get that they're miles away from where they used to be. They have progressed so much. And what little progress they've made, now you want to rain on because you were offended. Listen, let's give some room. And understand, that stuff happens. People are going to say some things, maybe they didn't mean, you know, I'm going to let it slide. Don't forget That they're people, they're not God. And even then, God was patient with you, right? So now that we understand that, when do we confront the goal? And when do we make this happen? Well, let's look back at scripture on how to do that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you've won them over. Three quick things right there. Number one, let the person know they offended you. Right? It says go to that person. If your brother or sister sins, go to that person and point it out. It's wrong for you to hold the grudge against someone without giving them a chance to apologize. And I've had this because, you know, when you talk and and you're a talker like me, you're bound to say something that's going to hurt somebody's feelings or say something that you didn't mean or you meant it but it just wasn't appropriate. Okay? I've gotten my foot in my mouth a gajillion times. Most of the time, I don't mean anything by it. But I would love if the person gives me an opportunity to make up for something that I did do wrong. And I have, by the grace of God, had a number of people who privately or or private message have sent me out to, hey, you know, even as a pastor, hey, Pastor Joey, you made this joke and, you know, it kind of came across this way. And I know you, I know you didn't mean anything, but I want you to know that 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 sounded this way or or it made you look that way and you might want to watch that. Man, can I tell you something? It hurts to read it sometimes because everybody feels salty when they messed up or when they get caught in something. But at the same time, I'm like, man, thank you so much for bringing it up to me and not bringing it up to other people. Because what we do is, when somebody offends us, instead of bringing it to the person who offended us and giving them a chance to make it better, right? Let's say Lizzie says something that offends me, and instead of taking it to Lizzie and hey, Lizzie, you know, uh, you made fun of my shoes, and these are some dusty shoes, right? These are, these are my sketchers. I was raining. I didn't want to bring out the nice shoes. I left them in the car. My bad. But, you know, I got kids now. I got them broke. What are you going to do? But if she does that, instead of me bringing it up to Lizzie, If I go to AJ and I'm like, yo, AJ, Lizzie, trash, bro. Trash. Why? Bro, she was making fun of me because I'm broke, dude. Jocking on me and laughing at me. Nah, man, you don't want to talk to Lizzie. Don't ever talk to Lizzie again. Well, what did I do? I made one bad thing into two bad things. As opposed to going to the person, addressing the issue, and figuring it out. If someone offended you, Don't go around telling everybody else before you go and tell that person. They deserve to hear it from you first. Because here's what happens. Let's say I do bring it to Lizzie eventually after telling 15 of you. And then Lizzie's like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry because I work at Skechers. So I'm giving you some new shoes. I wasn't trying to offend you. I was saying I got new shoes for you. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I thought you were trying to be bogus. And you're really trying to bless me, by the way. Um, but here's the problem. Now it's clear, now I understand, but 15 people don't. So 15 people still don't like her, and even though I'm cool with it now. Now I gotta go back to the 15 people, which I won't, we don't, and make sure that all of them know I was dumb and I messed up. This is what happens when you don't go to the person who offended you and give them a chance to make it better. The other thing you notice is it says to keep it between the two of you. Right? Like I just said, when you gossip, and gossip is telling people stuff that's none of their business, when you start talking about other people, it's so hard to go and get those little pieces of gossip back. You've already spread it out too far. And then if I told 15 people, who knows if each of those people told 15 people. Right, if they went home and told their mom and dad everybody's eating dinner and they're laughing about the fact that Lizzie's mean to me and stuff like that. Like, if it starts spreading like that, there's no way I can go back and get all these pieces. Now I've hurt her in the image of everybody here. Nobody likes her, and it was for no reason whatsoever. This is why the Bible says, bring it to the person, but keep it between you two. Right, when it's, it's, and listen, this is even for serious things. Right, let's say somebody makes an inappropriate joke. You know, maybe they sexualize you or they make a racist joke or they say something thinking they're funny and everybody laughed. But you were really hurt by that to the point where you don't even feel comfortable coming back. That's the kind of thing you bring to that person. And I know that's scary and I know we, we don't like to confront things, but you got to bring it to that person. And you got to say, listen, I don't know what you thought when you said this, but I need you to understand it hurt me and it made me think less of you. And I was really respecting you. I really had a, I mean, I thought you were a cool person. But I was shocked that you said that about me. Or I was shocked that you made that joke. That's the kind of thing that the person deserves. Not you going around telling everybody what they did. And then the last thing is, understand this. They don't have to agree with you. They just have to listen. Because here's the deal. Sometimes when you're offended, you might find out in the process of bringing it to that individual That you were the one that was wrong. that, That you did something bogus. Maybe the reason they said that is because they were being defensive about what you said. And so now in this conversation, you're realizing, okay, they're seeing it differently than I am. And my job isn't to make them see it the way I see it. And my job isn't to make them agree with me. My job is to bring it to them. You can't control what other people do. You can't make anybody say they're sorry. You can't make anybody make it right. So let's say you bring the issue to the person and you're like, hey, man, I just want you to know yesterday when you, when you called me, you know, fat, that that hurt my feelings. And they look at you and go, well, too bad. You're fat. Lose weight. Okay? I know in your mind you're thinking, so that's when I can punch them, right? That's like the time that I can punch them. Just between us, Pastor, one-on-one. I got you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you did your part before God's eyes. Your hands are clean. Now, let God deal with them on the rest of that. If that's the way their heart's going to be, if that's the attitude they want to have, hey, you know what, God bless you. I love you. I'm out. Right? That's one of the sickest burns. Remember we talked about last week, right, the Philistine. Uh, The other one is, hey, you know what, man, God bless you. Right? Because it sounds like God bless you, but really what you're saying is you know, talking about, they don't have to agree with you, they just have to listen. And what if they refuse to listen? What if you want to have that conversation and they're not willing to listen to you or, or there's this disagreement and they're arguing with you? Well, it goes on to say in Matthew 18 verse 16, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along, not 15, one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, bring in one or two other people to clear things up. Now be careful, because a lot of people when they think about this, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna bring some brothers and sisters. And what you do is you bring your crew. You bring all your little friends. Now, instead of looking like reconciliation, it looks like a gang fight, like y'all just about to, the Jets and the Sharks and, you know, I don't know, that's too old for you guys. But it just looks like you're about to try to throw down with this. And now what happens is the other person is defensive, and they're going to bring their friends, and now instead of having a discussion, we having a fight. Okay? When it says bring one or two people, it's not bringing your own people. It's bringing people that are impartial, people that are willing to call you out if you're wrong. Proverbs 18, 17 says this. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And what that means is, and think about this, a lot of times when someone comes up to you to tell you something, especially if they've been offended, your natural reaction is to believe them because what they're saying. And especially if it's a good story, you're like, wow, I can't believe that. You know, wow, Leo, I can't believe Riley said that to you. Wow, man, I never thought Riley was like that, but honestly, I believe it now, Right? Until then, Riley comes over and Riley tells me his side and I go, you know what, that makes a lot more sense now. Now that I've heard both sides, I have a better understanding and picture of what maybe actually went on. Most of the time, we only listen to our friend. We only listen to the first one who tells us. But the Bible is clear. The first one to speak sounds right until you get the cross-examination, until you get the other side of the story. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And some of us think, well, I'm offended, so I'm, I'm right. No, that's not necessarily true. Often, when all of it is brought into light, you'll find out, well, you were the one who was offensive. Or you were the one who brought it up. That's why it's important to listen to the counsel of other people. To not just be so self-centered that you think, whoa, there's no possible way you could ever be wrong. And even if you are right, and the other person just refuses to listen... At least you have confirmation from that one or two other people that justifies you brought the issue to light, that you at least tried to deal with it. If the other person is just stubborn and refuses to even acknowledge the offense and and, and it gets even bigger and they don't want to listen to the one or two witnesses and it keeps escalating, well, then what do you do? Again, the Bible is clear. That's when you bring it before the church leadership. Matthew 18, 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now listen, when I say tell it to the church, it doesn't mean like go to this wall and be like, hey, church, deal with this person, right? If you're not talking to the building, what it means is church leadership. And for the sake of excel... It means if you got an issue with another student in this room, you brought that issue to the person, it wasn't resolved. You brought one or two, one of their friends, one of your friends, you guys together try to resolve it, and it can't get resolved. Then you bring in one of the leaders. You bring in Pastor Joe, you bring in one of your small group leaders, you bring in one of the Excel leaders. You bring somebody older and a little bit more mature who's impartial to come in and help you reconcile the relationship. Because remember, that's the goal. A lot of times we struggle with this because if you have growing up where I grew up, you feel like, well, I'm not a snitch. I'm not going to go around, I'm not going to tell on people. Well, maybe you're not a snitch, but you're still a gossip because you're telling everybody else. You might as well tell the people that matter. And if you're going to talk about it, talk about it to the people that matter. And if you're not going to tell them, then don't say nothing. But if it's that much where it still bothers you and it still needs to get resolved, bring a leader into the picture. Bring one of the leaders of the church so that they can help you figure out and navigate this thing. Think about this. Growing up, when you had a fight with your brother or sister, and and you got to an impasse, and it got crazy, eventually one of you would go, ma! (laughs) pa, Right? One of you would call. Usually it was like this for me. Play fighting with my sister. Play fighting, play. Accidentally punch her for real. She starts bleeding from her nose screams out, Ma, and I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, shut up, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you down, I'm sorry. One time, uh, this isn't part of this, but one time, I did that thing where you hold their arms down and you pretend to have the spit hanging over their face. Anybody ever done that to you? It's a good move, try it. So I held her arms down and I had this spit hanging like right over her face. And then she did one of these real quick, like she jerked trying to get loose and the spit loosened, and it fell into her mouth, hitting that little ball in the back of her throat. That's when I got the, Right? And why do you call mom and dad? Because at some point, even though you don't like it, mom and dad are going to come in the room, and they're going to decide what happens. And listen, let's be honest. Sometimes when you call mom and dad, it's not the brother or sister who gets it. You might have been the one who called her, and y'all ever had this, both of you get hit, right? Both of you get in trouble, and you're like, but it wasn't even me. I was calling you. And they're like, man, I don't even want to bother figuring out who did it. You're both getting it. You're both in trouble, right? Because a lot of times it's like, listen, we're just going to settle it. It's just going to be done. Mom ain't about being fair. Mom's about being over. Like, this is done. Sometimes you, you bring the leader in. You bring a pastor in. You bring one of the church leaders in to figure out, hey, listen, I'm not here to figure out if you were right or if you were right. I'm here to figure out how we're going to move forward together. You want to be right, you want to be right, and both of you are left behind. We got to go forward. So, how do we do that? That is the job of the leader when they come in. Now, let's say you did all that. You brought it before the person, they didn't want to listen to you. You brought one or two witnesses to help you, they didn't want to listen to you. You brought in the church leadership, they told Pastor Joey he's ugly. Now we got issues. Now we're figuring out well, what do we do at this point? Here's the deal. Bible says, treat them like a tax collector or a pagan. Now, that doesn't mean treat them bad. It means love them, pray for them, but don't bother trying to restore anything that obviously they don't want to restore anymore. Just move on. Just move on. Hey, listen, man, I got no issue with you anymore. I've said my piece. I've tried to make things right. I've tried to help you. Obviously, you don't want to deal with this or you don't want to work it out. And that's cool. God bless you. Man, if you ever want to bring it up again and we we want to be cool, no, on my end, I'm done with it. Don't worry about it. And you move on with your life. Well, what if they don't like me? That's a personal issue for them. Because here's the deal. If you do these things right, then you live right. If you follow the procedure and the guidelines that God gives us in the Bible, you can know, hey, listen, my hands are clean. I did everything I could. Listen, the Bible tells us that even in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 18, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, listen here, as far as it depends on, who does it depend on? You, right? It doesn't depend on the other person. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is why we follow those procedures, because I'm trying to live at peace with you, and I'm doing everything I can on my power to do that. I can't do anything more than all I can do. So as far as it depends on me, I tried. The rest is up to you, and if you don't want that... Listen, not everybody's going to be best friends. I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to badmouth you. I'm not going to cause division in the church. I'm not going to cause disunity. I'm not going to gossip. We're just, you know, we're not going to be, we maybe just won't sit on the bus together on the way to Carlinville. This is just how it is. Right? Doesn't mean anything. And what I find is a lot of times, even then, time tends to cool things off and things get reconciled. And just like when you almost cut your little sister's pinky off at the door. Eventually, later on, you play with that little piece of pinky, and it's, it's a fun game that you guys invented. It's called Pinky Toss. It's just a fun little Pinky Toss game. Listen, do what depends on you. You can't make anyone forgive you or ask for forgiveness. Once you bring it to their attention, once you bring it to that person, it's on them. Your hands are clean. Forgive and move on. Worship team, if you can help me out. So where does that leave us? I mentioned this last week. I think we're really at the beginning of of a a renewal in this ministry. And my prayer is that as we dig deeper into our relationship with God, as we grow as individuals in our relationship with God, we will grow corporately in our relationship with God. And that means new people are going to walk in here. And a lot of times, there are some of us, we don't like new people. Because we already got our group of friends. We already got who we like. And so we don't like new people coming into that, right? It amazes me, or it amazes me how often we can get jealous. And let's be honest, we've all been there. We get jealous when our best friend starts having a new friend. And you're like, but you're you're my best friend. You're not allowed new friends. And it's like, okay, that's a little crazy and a little scary. So don't be like that. But at the same time. We need to be a place that when anybody walks in, instead of trying to compete, instead of of feeling like they're walking on eggshells, we want to make sure that when somebody walks through these doors, the thing that they feel more than anything else outside of the love of God is the, the love of his people. I want people to walk through these doors feeling, you know what? After leaving Excel, I just feel like I was part of a family. And again, families fight. Families have issues. Families are not perfect. But man, if we don't love our family. I love my family. My crazy, mixed up family. Today's my dad's birthday and I hung out with him and, you know, watched him cut a turkey and laughed at all his jokes that I've heard a gajillion times. But I love my papi and I wanted to be there with him. And can I tell you something? Every time there was a holiday party, my dad stressed me out like nobody's business. Because he yelled and screamed and we had to clean this because he always got nervous. But he's still my dad. And he's the best dad I've ever had because he's the only dad I've ever had. Family, we're going to have issues. We're going to have fights. We're going to have stuff. But if we can maintain the family, if we can maintain the relationships, then we can grow as a family. And I want us to continue to grow. I want your friends to come here and feel like they can be part of the family of God. I want strangers to walk through these doors and become family members. I want to see more and more young people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and understand what it means to be adopted into the family of God. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And I want you to just bow your head real quick, close your eyes. Just because I want you to think to yourself. Maybe you're here tonight and you got an issue with a brother or sister. Maybe someone at Excel at one point or another offended you. Maybe even somebody outside of the church has offended you. Maybe church leadership has offended you. Maybe Pastor Joey has offended you. And it's caused you to maybe even not want to come. Maybe you're watching online and you were part of a church and and you were offended by somebody to the point where you stopped going altogether. And here's what I need you to understand. I want to challenge you. As best as you can, resolve that offense with that individual. If they're here tonight, pull them aside. Talk to them. Even if it was, hey, man, listen, this was three years ago. You you don't even remember this. But I want you to know I was offended when that happened. And I'm not saying that to bring it up. I'm just saying it because I want to make sure that we're good now. This is the purpose behind this whole message is to make sure that you have no enemies on this earth. No flesh and blood enemy. The only enemy we have is the devil. But no human is our enemy. We are called to love each and every one of them. And I know that the enemy, the real one, his tactic is to divide us. His tactic is to pull us away. And if the enemy can keep us busy fighting each other, then he's already won the whole battle. Let me go back to Jesus' prayer. And I mentioned this before in pre-service prayer. John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. This is Jesus right before he's getting ready to ascend one final time into heaven. And it's kind of like this last conversation he's having with his disciples. And then he begins to pray. And I want you to notice his prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. That includes you and me. When people walk through these doors, they will not be convinced of God because of Pastor Joey's preaching or because of the worship team singing. They will be convinced that there really is a God when they see how you love each other. So I want to pray that in this ministry there will always be a sense of unity and togetherness. And that if ever there are offenses or issues that they would be dealt with swiftly and lovingly so that we can continue to do the things that God has called us to do. And if there is anyone in this room who already has that struggle and is already having an offense, I want to pray that God would help you to deal with that rather than allowing that to continue to deal with you. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every voice that's been listening. And Lord, you know what's going on in their hearts. You know what's happening. And Father, you know what offenses they've encountered. And Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for these guidances, God, for these stipulations that you give us to help us navigate this world, God. Lord, we know that as we come together in relationships, as we come together knowing one another, we're bound to step on each other's toes once in a while. We're bound to offend somebody. We're bound to say something we regret or do something we didn't mean to. Father, I pray that each of us would be long-suffering with one another, that we'd give each other grace, that we'd give each other room, that we wouldn't jump all over each other for these minor little petty things. And at the same time, Lord, if there are offenses that genuinely wound us, that really hurt us, God, give us the strength to confront that individual, not with hostility but with love and grace, for the purpose of reconciliation, of of making sure that we can salvage this relationship. Give us the strength to have wise counsel. Help us not to gossip and, and spread lies or rumors, or even if it's true, God, to keep it in a way that's holy and honoring to you. Help us to do everything that is possible, as far as it depends on us, to live in harmony with one another. Help us to demonstrate your love, God, So that when our friends and family come through those doors to experience your love, they would see it first and foremost in your people. God, we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful for the family we have. God, it might be dysfunctional at times, and we might be a little crazy. But I thank you that we have each other. And I love every person in this room, God. I'm grateful for every one of them being in this house. And I'm grateful that you are the Father that loves us, cares for us, and guides us every step of the way. And so we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Make sure you guys tune in next week. Remember, we got small groups tomorrow. Have a good one, guys. God bless.